invite all of you here in our Conway campus to help me to invite some people who are joining with us uh, during this. I want to start first. Um, In a few minutes ago, Sally reminded me that our J. Rubin campus is joining us right now. So would you help me make them feel welcome? We're so, so excited that you are joining us today. But also, you might be joining us online, so whether you're watching, uh, maybe on your, you, know, you might be on vacation, you're watching, maybe you got your device pulled out, you might be watching on YouTube or joining us on the Rock C3 app. We're just so thankful, um, especially when you're traveling. We like to say it this way, you could be anywhere doing anything with anyone, but you took time to be here with us, and so for that, we're very thankful. Um, but also for our South, Rand, our South Strand campus who's joining us right now, so... We're just so thankful to be a church, multi-sites, worshiping the same God in multiple locations. Uh, My name is Scott, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet. Thank you very much. Glad to be with you. I suppose we're kicking off a new series. If you can see from the graphic behind us, we've been talking about In Your Corner for the last, uh, for the month of June. Now we're into July, and we're talking about the summer set list. So we're going to be walking for the next four weeks together, kind of, I don't know, anybody take a summer road trip and you, you got a playlist, you got your Spotify, how many, how many make a Spotify playlist for the car, how many still got some CDs, you still got riding on top of them, yeah, there we go. maybe you got that, the, the Maxwell cassette tape, you know, you got the liner notes written, um, so we're going to talk about a summer set list, because especially if you're on a road trip, especially having that perfect set list that perfect uh, list of songs to play or that playlist. So we're going to talk about that for this sermon series, uh, but we're also going to be doing this in, I would say, kind of conjunction um, with the book of Isaiah. And we're going to be walking through some parts of Isaiah. So I want to invite you to jump into that, but also on our reading plan, you're going to see that we're walking through the Psalms. We're walking through a lot of scripture um, that really informs, well, the way that we sing. And so we thought about to jump into this tonight. I put a question out on, um, I put it on Facebook. I think is where I put it. I also sent it to our staff. And I asked people, so some of you might have done it because I had over, the last I checked, over 50 responses to this because I wanted to know, like, what are you listening to? All right, it's a good Chris Stapleton song right there. That's a good title, right? What are you listening to? Uh, so what are you listening to? So I, I gathered some of your responses and I'm going to put them on the screen if I could, if, if we could do that. So um, favorite song of all time. Let's just favorite song of all time. You might see some of your list, Amazing Grace, Because He Lives, because we got some church people here. Um, we got some people who love Lee Bryce, um, some good Elvis fans. So um, what's interesting is there was one song on this list that was conspicuously missing today. And um, our lead pastor, Josh Fink, is like, where's Purple Rain? <laughs> Got, 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 got no purple rain on there? So, as you can see, um, Peaceful Easy Feeling got knocked off the list and purple rain went into the spot, so sorry. Um, so that was the one question, like, what is your favorite song of all time? And then we asked a question, well, okay, let's talk about worship. Like, what is your favorite worship song? Now, I just took your answers that would fit on the screen, and I put some of those up here. It's Amazing Grace again, How Great Thou Art. Um, Ancient of Days, someone reached back. Yeah, someone really reached back for that. Ancient of Days, um, there's just some good stuff on there. Um, you might see one of your favorite worship songs on there. Uh, but then we also asked this question. Like right now, what's your favorite worship song 
right now. Like it might be something new. This might be something we're singing across our campuses, something that we um, have in our set list and our rotation. Um, I see gyras on there. How many of you, how many of you have a big um, thank you for the blood? Like we hit that one tonight. It's a good one. So hopefully you might see one of yours. What was interesting was when I asked the question, what's your favorite worship song of all time? There was a lot of repeats, like Amazing Grace got like five to six right off the bat. Uh, How Great Thou Art, some good hymns got kind of a lot of votes right off the bat. But when it comes to worship songs we're singing right now, I didn't even have enough room to fit them onto the screen, which is really cool. So it tells me you're listening to a lot of stuff. Um, which is really, really awesome. Uh, So we're going to continue talking about this, about the songs that we listen to, the songs that we sing, the songs that we as a a people, as a a church people, as a body, like even people across all of our campuses, all the places, we're singing songs together that, that say something about God and they say something about us because the music that we sing and the lyric, it really, it says something about us. As a people, I, I saw this um, July the 4th. Like, uh, if, if you know me, I'm speak to my South Strand people for just a minute. Like, you will find me and my family at the South Strand July the 4th. We're usually at the boat parade in Merle's Inlet. You'll find us hanging out on Goat Island. That's, that's kind of our jam. That's what we like to do. But um, so we have some of our friends that are with us. And so there's these three young ladies, um, Anna Wallace and her two friends. Uh, they're in charge of the set list. They got their phone out. And they're like, they're, they're in charge of the radio, right, on the boat. And so they're setting the songs. And it's interesting because on July the 4th, there's just some songs that have to hit. Like, you may not listen to Lee, Lee Greenwood for any of the rest of the year, but I promise you, you got to listen to a little Lee Greenwood. How many of you, like, born in the USA, little Springsteen? So we were inadvertently in the boat parade. We didn't mean to be in the boat parade. We just found ourselves in the boat parade. We were kind of the caboose on the boat parade. And we had, it was so cool because as we were going through, we had Springsteen, born in USA. And people were just like, boom, you know, everybody's singing with it. Because there are moments, it seems like music just captures the essence of the moment, right? It seems like it's like, oh, that's the perfect song. Uh, you, for those of you who got married, like you thought through the music, like, oh, we got to do this song for the entrance, and then the recessional is going to be this song, and no, we can't do that song because my mama won't let us play that song at the reception. Like, like you've probably had some arguments about the music because songs say something about who we are. A- another interesting thing that I saw on July the 4th, so we had some recent uh, Clemson grads in the boat because we were, th- we, well, we were with good people, so we had some Clemson grads in the boat with us. And so we're there, and so this other boat comes by flying a, 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 a South Carolina Gamecock flag. So, so the girls in the boat, they're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, Tiger Rag, here we go. And they crank up Tiger Rag, and they're just, you know, C-L-E, I mean, they're to the top of their lungs, to some boat, we don't even know who these people are, but they're just like, not in my inlet, now, what's funny is the father who owns the boat, Georgia grad, and he was like, you're playing this in my boat. And like, so he's like, but it's my daughter and I love her. It's interesting that songs unify, especially like fight songs. 
Like, you might have a favorite fight song. Like, you'll forgive me for not being, right, a, you know, Carolina fan, but we'll, we'll, we'll find something in common. But there are fight songs that, that unify people and even kind of divide people. It, but we think about the power of music. It, it, it encapsulates the moment. Sometimes songs can, like, say something that you don't know how to say, but you're like, but listen to this song. It, it says what I mean. All right? You've ever tried to apologize with a song because you didn't know how to say I'm sorry? Like music, it, well, it has a way of saying things. So therefore, we should be really careful about what our songs say. And especially if we're going to sing them. Especially if we're going to stand together and make bold proclamations that really and truly, we want to make sure that, like, there are some songs that we're like, do I know what this song actually means? Now that I've got kids that are, like, teenagers, we're showing them some of the movies that we grew up on in the 80s. I don't remember the language in the 80s. And now we're watching movies going, like, I can't believe this is in here. And you thought you knew the movie. You thought you knew the theme song. You're like, oh, I didn't know this as well as I thought I did. And so I'm like, man, we should, well, we should probably understand what we're singing. And especially it's music, especially for the church, because scripture talks a lot about this. Matter of fact, this might be one time in scripture where God really shows his anger over the topic of worship. Now, matter of fact, like, it would be great if that we were to get together and sing things. That, well, for example, in Isaiah, um, there, there's a passage in Isaiah. Well, in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 4 and 6. Uh, so Isaiah is giving us some, some lyrics for the nation of Israel. Uh, in that wonderful day, you will sing. Hope, like, here's what we hope that you sing. Thank the Lord. Praise his name. Tell the nations what he has done. Let him know how mighty he is. Sing to the Lord, for he has done wonderful things. Make known his praise around the world. Like, sing your songs. Like, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to let people know about God, who God is, what God has done around the world. And music is a vehicle by which we can do that. Let all the people of Jerusalem. So this is like at the church. Like, let them know that they are to shout his praise with a joy. Like, your heart should be connected to the words. For, here's the reason. For the great is the Holy One of Israel who, well, he lives among you. And, and so what Isaiah is trying to remind them, like, you're talking about a God who's in the room with you. He lives among, God is among us. So it's like, we want to make sure that we're saying things that we actually believe. Later in, in Isaiah, Isaiah 29, uh, you know, God has some words about this because he's been watching the people of Jerusalem. He's been watching Israel's worship. And he says something in Isaiah 29, 13 that's, well, it's, it's kind of hard to hear. And so he says this, and so the Lord says, these people, they say that they're mine. No, we to think about the things we sing, the word, they say they're mine, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Like, like there's a disconnect between what they're saying 
and how they're living. It says that their lips are honoring, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Like, they, they know the Psalms. Like, they, they've got it memorized. They know the words. They know the lyrics. But, but what, what God is so angry about is that if we're not careful... There's a lesson that we should learn from Israel, which is God's people, this nation that God designed a, a relationship with that we can learn so much from, that God's like, okay, so their lips I hear. And I hear this, like they, they got all the right words. They're saying all the right things because they got it memorized. I mean, they even know the hand motions. Like they, they got it down. But their heart, so far from me. It's possible to sing the song, to know the words, and to go through the motions and your heart not be connected to it. And so God gives a warning. It's like, okay, if we want to understand the songs that we sing, this is the first step. We've got to be really, really careful that what we're saying and what we're actually saying that we profess with our mouth and our lips and what we're singing, like, we've got to make sure that these songs actually match the way that we live really and truly like he's like listen like i I hear you you're you're gotten really good at doing the stuff but the relationship part you have forgotten so and so god's like you know listen there's some things that we just really need to talk about matter of fact isaiah if you understand him as a prophet he was a guy who his job was well to tell people what they needed to hear, but what they didn't want to hear. And so in Isaiah chapter 1, he's speaking for God. And, and, and so God's like, okay, let me just talk about worship for a moment. Because if there becomes a disconnect you know, between what, what it is that you say and what you do, like, well, it becomes more than just a small problem. It's actually, in God's eyes, a really big problem. So he says this, check this out, Isaiah chapter 1, I'll start in verse 11. So this is Isaiah speaking for God, and so this is the words of God, and God is saying, what makes you think I want all your sacrifices? He's like, let's talk about worship. Let's talk about the people when they come together, let's let's talk about the church. When the church gathers, he says, what makes you think I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord? I'm sick of your burnt offerings of rams and of the fat and the fatted cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, who asks you to pray through the courts with all this ceremony? God's like, I'm, I'm seeing this, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know how we got here. Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings, well, they disgust me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, well, they are all simple and they're false. I want no more of your pious meetings. Now, this is, this is hard to hear that people are worshiping, and this is what God says. They are a burden to me. It's not like you're just singing off key here. It's not just like you don't know the word. Like, this is a bigger, deeper issue. And God's like, this is a burden to me. I cannot stand them. 
This is, this is not a small issue. This isn't a small problem in God's eyes. And then he says this. And, and you might not be from a church that lifts their hands. I know some of us, you're, like, you're still like, I don't know if I can take them out of my pocket yet. Like, do I, is that third week? Like, is it the third Sunday? Do I take my hands out? Like, I don't know when to do this. And, and like, you know, so some people got hands up. And so, like, so Nation of Israel got their hands up. And he says, when you lift up your hands in prayer... I will not look. Though you offer me many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands that are raised. Now get this. This is, this is a hard text. And we gotta, I'm going to dive into this. Your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Now, that's, that sounds harsh. That your, that your hands are covered with the, the blood of innocent. You're like, wait a minute. Like, I'm just, I thought this was about worship. I haven't killed anyone. Like, how did, like, that seems like God has taken this to some far extreme. It's like, are you sure God's talking about worship here? And so how do we get from worship to having murderous blood on our hands? So I was thinking through this. So I called a friend of mine. I, I texted him. I got a friend that lives in Israel um, when I go to Israel, he's a, guy, he's a guy that I use, and he went to the Hebrew University, and he's, he's so smart. And he, um, I, I, I was like, can you help me? Help me under, unpack a little bit. What's, what's being said here in the Hebrew about this hands and blood thing? Like, what's, that sounds pretty drastic. And he texted back, and we were talking about these, some words in the Hebrew, and he's like, you know, that's very, very interesting that you would bring that up because the word here for hands is also the same word, yad, for monument. It can mean a monument or hands. And he says, what's interesting is he said, when I read that in the Hebrew, it sounds like my hands are full of murder. And I was like, well, that's kind of how I read it, too. I was, he was, and I said, but what's behind that? That sounds to be pretty drastic. And he's like, well, but that's exactly what it says, that your hands are full. So here's the question. How does our hearts not being in worship get to the point where God says, it is the same to me as having the blood of innocent people on your hands? So how, do we, how did we get there? So he, we were talking about this, and uh, there, there's this thing in Scripture that it would be helpful to know. Um, it's something that, I, I don't know if it's the right word for it, something I call the prophetic hyperbole. And we see this in Micah. I see this in Nahum. I've seen this in other prophets where the prophet will, will say, well, if this is where your thoughts are, Let's just take them to the fullest extent of the consequences so that you can see where this leads. And so it's a bit of hyperbole, like your hands are full of blood. Like, okay, but why are you saying that, Isaiah? It's because God's trying to help you see that your thoughts will lead to death if you're not careful. Now, Jesus did this. Jesus also used uh, this kind of connection between, well it's, well, it's just a little thing, but Jesus like, yeah, well, no, not necessarily, because Jesus says it this way. You know, like if you just like look lustfully after a woman, you've already committed adultery. And so Jesus like, it's helpful for you to see the consequences of your thoughts and your actions. Run it out to the full extent. Like, like if you, you, you're like, you look at someone with, with some look of just hatred, like you've already murdered them in your mind. 
And so Isaiah wants us to end. So what God's speaking through Isaiah, like you got to understand where this leads. And it's almost like Isaiah wants us to remind us today is that sin always leads to death. And that's just a biblical idea. It's a biblical fact. Sin leads to death, for the wages of sin is death. So, like, so there will come a time, like if you run it out, like what happens if we're not mindful of our worship, what will happen? Well, it leads to death. It leads to hurt. It leads to harm. It leads us to a place like it's going to be death of a relationship between you and God and other people. It, it is like you got to pay really close attention to your heart. Now, I'm speaking about ancient Israel. But I would say for us, whether you're at J. Rubin, the South Strand, here in Conway, wherever you're watching with us, it's like, but this is us today. But because we have a bit of an issue ourselves when it comes to church. Like, we, we do this. Like, there, there's, I would say as, as the modern-day church, there are times when the blood is on our hands. And we're trying to lift up holy hands in worship, but God's like, all I see is blood-stained hands because your heart is far from me. I hear your lips, but your heart is far from me. Like, you can't come in here and trick me. So how do we as the modern-day church, well, we got a little bit of a list here. Let's, let's, here here's a list. There seems to be a disconnect There seems to be a disconnect between our heart and worship at times. And here are some ways that we could be guilty of this. Only giving lip service to God. Like, okay, God, I'm just going to say something, but I don't really mean it. That, that, that we're in the same category, not living by our own rules and not God. Performance, not, not just up here, but also in life. Like, we're not just living for the Lord. We're just performing to impress other people. And our, our life, which is supposed to be, according to, to, to Scripture, a holy sacrifice that is pleasing to the Lord, how we live our lives as a living sacrifice, well, it really is an act of performance. And in that, God's like, I'm not impressed using prayers as transition. Now, I will just, insider baseball, we do that here at The Rock sometimes. Sometimes it's necessary and just sometimes like, but, but maybe we should just at least be honest and call it into question. But it's something we do at home. Because sometimes prayer is just the thing you do to get unhungry. Like, I'm, I'm just ready to eat. Somebody say to prayer, preacher, say to say, preacher's here, say the blessing. Like, no, you don't want the preacher to really pray. You're just hungry. And, and prayer is just a transition to get you unhungry. You, it's not like we're really praying. It's like, I'm just ready to eat. Would someone please say a prayer real quick? Because I'm just ready to eat. And God's like, I, 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 I see your lips moving. I see your lips moving, but your heart is far from us. A few other things. We're playing with emotions through music. Uh, we're singing what we don't believe and not living what we're singing. And, and this one, this was a big one. It was accepting praise instead of giving it. In the church, well, we could be guilty of this. And so it's not just an issue for just people in Isaiah's time. It's an issue for us. And so... Well, the problem is, I would say for us today that if, we're, if there's a disconnect between what we profess with our lips and where our heart is, well, then there's blood on our hands. But then the question is like, well, what do I do about that? How do I get this blood off of my hands? Like, I don't want God to, I want to lift my hands in worship. I want to worship the Lord. I want to lift up holy hands in worship. 
So what do we do with that? And that's a question that we're going to unpack. Like, well, how we get the blood off of our hands is the blood on our heart. Now, now this, this is a really strange statement. If you haven't been around church, if you haven't read some the Bible before, you're like, wait a minute, blood on our hearts to get blood off our hands? And, but it's true, and we're going to unpack that. We're going to walk through that, but, but for those on our other campuses, I'm going to give you a chance for our campus pastors. You're going you're to walk this out and ask this question, if we have blood on our hands, well then, what do we do with that? It's a great question. And it, it's a really weird statement, but I, I believe if we break down this scripture, we'll understand why blood on our hearts uh, really is that thing that, that cleanses us and takes away that blood on our hands. So let's look at Isaiah 1, verse 18. It says this, come now, let's settle this. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. What God is saying is he is the one that cleanses us. Now, I, I'm, a, I'm a father of two. Uh, one of my daughters is two years old, and my other daughter is like eight weeks old. Um, and if you're a parent, you get this. Sometimes when they use the bathroom, there's a blowout situation, right? And there comes a point in the blowout where you just got to say, you know what, we're taking the loss today and we're throwing this outfit away, right? Like it is not worth cleaning. It is not worth prepping. It, it, this thing going straight into the garbage can. I, Claire almost had one yesterday. It was <laughs> disgusting. And I think that's weirdly how some people treat their life, right? Like where you're going, this is such a mess. This is so stained. This is so dirty that there is nothing that I can do to make this better. You know, for some of you, that's because you have been in a sin habit for years upon years, and you're like, no matter what you do, you can't get away from it. No matter how many times you tried to stop that addiction, it just keeps coming back. And no matter what happens, you're like, man, it's just always a part of my life. And I can't do anything to get rid of it. Well, there's others of you that you've looked at your life, and you're hearing like, man, I need to start doing something different. I need to start living out my worship. I need to start acting a specific way. But you've been living that way for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and you're looking at your routine going, how in the world am I going to change my entire life? That's going to mess things up for, for me personally, my job, my family. Like, it's just going to be so different. Like, I don't know if I can get out of that routine. So what ends up happening is if you feel one of those two ways, you're like, well, there's nothing we can do. I can't be washed clean. I, I can't. I am just stained, and that's how it is. But it's not. We see here. Where God's saying, I can make you clean. We are all guilty. We have all sinned. We are all stained. But we don't have to stay that way. Because through the redemptive work of Christ, we can be made clean. He cleanses us. He, he sets us free to uh, avoid evil and, and do good. If you don't know the story of Jesus, it's very simple. God created us, we sinned, we pushed him away, and when I say we, I mean all of us have sinned at some point in our life. We've separated ourselves from God. And Jesus looks at us and says, I wanna save you. So he comes down from heaven to earth, lives uh, 33 years on this earth, dies on the cross, his blood is spilled. And the reason his blood was spilled was that he took the punishment that we deserved. 
And now all we have to do is say, Jesus, I am choosing to follow you. And when we decide to follow Jesus, that is getting his blood on our hearts. It washes away, it, it cleanses us from that life, that death that we deserved. See, we have to get his blood on our hearts. And then we gotta wash ourselves. Uh, verse 16, we're going back a couple verses. It, it says this in verse 16. It says, wash yourselves and be clean. The Israelites at the time would have done, uh, this would have meant to purify. At the time, there's also ceremonial washings. And we see John the Baptist do this through baptism. We see the disciples and the apostles go, hey, repent and be baptized. And we can do that same thing. We can repent. We can be baptized. We can change our lives. If you don't know what baptism is, it, to, to me it's the symbolic nature of going from death to life, just like D Jesus did. And when we come out of the water, we are a new creation. We are something better. We are something cleaner. We are, our shame, our guilt, our struggles, they're washed away. Now, it doesn't mean we're not going to battle things in the future, but what that does mean is we get a fresh start. And baptism, it's not what saves you, but I do believe it's part of the salvation resp uh, response because we say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And we get his blood on our hearts. And we take that step to be washed clean through the act of baptism as a sign, as a signal that, yes, this is a decision that I have made. But the story doesn't stop there. We got a whole lot of life to live. Verse, uh, the, the second part of that verse, verse 16, we'll go back to it. it. It says this, get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. And then verse 17, it says, learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. And fight for the rights of widows. That's a powerful scripture. Because... Following Jesus and having his blood on our hearts, it's not about stopping. It's about starting. We say, hey, I'm going to stop doing that sin. I'm going to get that out of my life. I'm going to flee from that. But as I'm stopping that, I'm going to start doing good. I'm going to see what's around me. I'm going to see what I can do. I'm going to see how I can grow the kingdom. And I think every single one of us we have something in our heart, in our bones, in our soul where we are striving for a life that's meaningful, a life that's impactful, a life that's purposeful. So we just do everything we can to find something that, man, it feels like we matter. But it isn't until we decide to follow Jesus and start living the way he's calling us to live that we actually experience that. So you need to stop sinning, flee from that old stuff, flee from that old life and start doing. Seek justice by doing what's right. Help the oppressed by standing up for them. Defend the orphans by pouring into them. Fight for widows by picking up for them. We have the ability to do this because God's given us all the opportunity in the world. He's putting people in your path. He's putting moments in your path. He's putting skills and growth in your path so that you can go, okay, God, I see what you're trying to do. I'm gonna step in. I'm going to do what I can with what you have given me. When we do that, when we experience that, man, that changes our life. It turns it into something so much better, so much more impactful. 
We're not just floating through life anymore. We're not just singing songs without any meaning. No, we're singing, we're worshiping because we go, man, God has changed my life and now I have the opportunity to partner with him and help change other people's lives as well. And in just a moment, we're going to go into a time of response where we are going to sing, we are going to praise, we're going to lift up the name of Jesus. And I want you to think about this. What if we lived in a way that truly represented the words that we sang? How different would your life be in this moment? We can go from feeling guilty to innocent, from covered to clean, from red to white, from lost to found, from searching to purpose, from apathetic to excited. The words that we sing are meant to lift up God's name and help us recognize what we need to do in our life. I'm gonna challenge all of us to, to worship in a way that's fitting of a God who sent his son to die for us so that we could have life through him also help other people find the same. Where we say, Jesus, thank you for the blood Thank you for paying it all. We are going to worship you. We're going to hail the name of King Jesus. Because you are the only thing that matters, God. And when we do that, our lives are drastically changed. So why don't you guys stand with me? In just a moment, we're going to sing, but there's other ways I'm going to challenge us to worship today as well. Up front, we have communion. Maybe today is a day that you take communion as a reminder of what Jesus did. Maybe today is a day that you worship through the act of prayer. We got people that would love to pray with you in our connect corners. We have a little prayer corner over there that we'd love to have you pray at. Maybe just take a moment between you and God or grab a group of people that you just need prayer over something. Maybe today is the, the day you have the greatest act of worship of all, which is giving your life to him. You've been searching. You've been looking, no matter where you look, nothing's satisfying. I promise you, the life that Jesus provides is the most satisfying life you could ever imagine. Maybe if you made that decision today, you made that decision in the past, but you haven't taken that step of baptism, today is a great day to do that. 